I think on reminder remembers 34 years ago today. In 1941, December 7th was also a Sunday. It wasn't too much unlike the weather that we're experiencing today. Some of us were at church school, and then we went to church, and then we went home and had dinner. And then at precisely five minutes of two Pittsburgh time, 7.55 Honolulu time, began what our president at that time called the day of infamy. Within two hours, the battle was over. Eighteen of the 97 ships in Pearl Harbor were sunken. 1,143 were injured, and 2,341 persons serving in the armed services of the United States of America were dead. I stood in that memorial just several weeks ago, just as many of you have visited that memorial over the sunken USS Arizona, which to this day entombs more than a thousand bodies who are buried in that sunken hull. Today, the President of our United States will be speaking from that memorial. Like many of you who visited that historic spot, we had a spiritual experience. If you haven't been there, if you ever have the opportunity, I hope you'll take it. It's a moving experience. I found myself in prayer, thanking God that that day is over, thanking God for those who paid the supreme sacrifice that day and every day and every war to keep America the home of the free and the land of the brave. And I thank God that I'm an American. I'm sure you'll remember now what happened that day when you first heard the news. I'm asking as your pastor today and especially on this significant occasion when our president is there today. If you're old enough to remember, and you have memories of that day which changed every one of our lives, I hope sometime during this day you pause, reflect, and pray, and allow the Spirit of God to know your feelings on this day. Please turn with me now to the Gospel of Matthew, the first chapter, beginning at the 18th verse. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, 
saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which she is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had borne a son, and he called his name Jesus. Since the beginning of time, God, when he has needed assistance, has called specific people to do specific tasks. And the way he calls any one of us is always by the same method, by the method of a messenger who brings us the message, a messenger which the Bible or who the Bible calls an angel. Now, since also the beginning of time and since recorded history, scholars have disagreed over what constitutes an angel. They've argued back and forth as to who are angels, where do they live, what's their authority, job description, their longevity. And my, in about 4,000 years of history, we do not have any unanimous agreement amongst even the best of those who study God's word as to whether or not there are angels. What do you believe? In Genesis, from the Garden of Eden and through Revelation to the New Jerusalem, there speaks of angels. Yet, some of the people that we read about in the Bible, such as the Sadducees, they didn't even believe they existed. Now, I don't mean to add to the confusion by just telling you my personal opinion. No, that's not the purpose of this sermon. It is to try to get you to see that God does call people through messengers, whatever you call them. You can't study about Christmas without confronting the angels. And one of the great gifts which God gives to us at Christmas is a little insight as to how these messengers function and work here on earth. The first thing that we notice about these messengers, and that's what I'll call them, is that they belong to the three A's, and I don't mean the American Automobile Association. No, a messenger of God, when he is calling somebody, does it anytime, anywhere, any way. You see, there is no restriction on the way God uses his messengers. Let's check it through the Bible and you'll find that people have received the message of God from all different type of sources, from people and from other objective things. 
Abraham. He was down the earth of Chaldees when he got his message through a messenger. Elijah, big Elijah, he was under a little broom tree when the messenger came to him. And little Zacchaeus, he was up in a big sycamore tree when the messenger came unto him. Andrew and his brother Simon, called Peter, they were out fishing when the messenger came unto them. James and John were sitting in the boat of their fathers, mending nets at work when the word came to them. Matthew was in the tax collector's office when the messenger came unto him. Samuel and Isaiah, they were at the place of worship when the message came unto them. And Joseph, <laughs> he was home in bed, asleep, having a dream when the word of the Lord came to him. Those of you who didn't come to church today and are staying home listening in their bed, beware. <laughs> this is not a dream. An angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream. The messengers appear any time, any place, any way, and they bring a message. That's the second thing that we understand. A messenger never consults us before he brings us the message. <laughs> as if a messenger brings God's message to you as to what he wants you to do, don't be upset and offended if he doesn't consult you first and ask for your approval. God does not consult us with his will. He calls us to do it. God does not ask, he acts. God does not politely request, he requires. He commands. This can be rather upsetting. Because as Joseph says, you know, here, he, when he awoke from his sleep, did as the angel commanded. He didn't have much choice. We think sometimes we do have a choice when God calls us. We don't. We can put it off, we can get away from it, we can try to escape it, but we don't get away entirely from it. When God calls us to do a task, we have but one responsibility. Respond. And this is rather difficult because the third thing we find out about the messenger and his message is that seldom, if ever, are we pleased with the message that he brings us. Now, when God calls us, it's always to call us to something we really don't want to do. That makes sense when you think about it. If we really want to do it, we will do it, and God knows it will get done. No, God calls us specifically to do tasks we really don't want to do, to say things we really don't want to have to say, to take time that we really don't want to use for that particular purpose. So when the message comes, as we heard last week with Reverend Zachariah and with Mary and her pondering heart, when the angel of the Lord, the messenger, came, there was trouble. Troubled not only at his sight, but troubled at his saying. 
because there's always an awesome responsibility which really you think at the time you can't handle. You can't cope with it. You can't hack it. And you wonder how you're ever going to get it done. Of course, that's not our responsibility. That's up to God. If he calls us, he'll equip us to do it. He'll equip us to do it. With God, all things are possible. There's nothing impossible. And God never calls anybody to do what he considers the impossible. But another thing we find out about the messenger... I don't know why, because it sure would help, but you see, he never tells other people that he has told us and the message that he has told us. He would really simplify matters if he would tell everybody what he tells us so that they could know why we are doing what we are doing. But for some reason or another, that messenger is always tight-lipped and tells just a few, if anybody else what he has told us. I'm sure the father and mother of Joseph, they were proud of their boy. They, they loved him. They admired him. But when he said that he was going to marry that woman to whom he was only betrothed, then here she was great with child. I'm sure they thought he was ridiculous and going beyond the call of duty. They didn't know that God had, had sent a messenger with a message. I'm sure his friends thought him a fool. All because the messenger didn't tell the same message to all these people. I'm sure it's in your line of work as it is in Mr. Bruter's and mine. Whenever a, a minister, especially one who is well-loved and liked, feels that he's being called to another place of endeavor, it's very difficult for people to understand it. Like in your work, so it is in ours. People really refuse to believe it's a call of God. Either the guy is trying to get a swell head, he wants more money, or he's in trouble and has to get out of town. Yeah. That's the stories they make up. It's so hard for us to believe that God sends a message through a messenger, which is a command which really nobody wants to do. But you see, God's messenger does not always tell everything that he has told us to other people. And that's what makes it so exciting, so thrilling, so mysterious, and so difficult. Because it means if we're going to respond, and heaven help us if we don't, we have to do it with risk. The message always involves a risk. A risk of love. The Bible says that Joseph was a just man. That means he loved God and he loved Mary. Yes, and he wanted to do what was right. And that's difficult even when a messenger of the Lord comes to you, because, you see, you've always got to accept that message by faith. There's no other way. Because I don't care how loudly that messenger speaks to you, how clear-cut you have received the command, no matter how convinced you are yourself, 
there's always that question in your mind that maybe this is not a messenger of the Lord. The messenger never presents all of his credentials. And even with all the credentials he does present, it's never 100% sure. There's always that question in your mind, is it or isn't it a message from the Lord? I'm sure poor Joseph, you see, and I'm putting it here very bluntly. The next morning after his dream, I'm sure he was pretty sure that it was an angel of the Lord, a messenger from God, but he, he couldn't be absolutely sure that it was not the Reuben sandwich and dill pickle he had the night before reacting within him. Mm -hmm. So I guess God could use those methods if he wanted as a messenger. Yes. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that Joseph ever knew whether or not, 100% that is, whether he had done right in marrying Mary. I'm convinced that the mother of Mary, though she pondered all of these things in her heart, it wasn't for 33 years after the crucifixion and after the experience of Pentecost that she was 100% convinced in her own pondering heart that that had been an angel of the Lord that had spoken to her in Nazareth over 33 years before when he told her she was going to have a baby. You see, you're never really exactly sure. And yet you have to respond one way or another. And that requires a risk of love and a risk of faith. And on this Advent Sunday, all I can say is thank God for people like Joseph who was willing to risk his life, his reputation, his whole future because you know if Joseph hadn't taken that risk Jesus would have had to have been born some other way. Thank God for people who believe that God is speaking to them through some messenger. Maybe it's even a preacher. Thank God for people who, who have conviction in their hearts that God wants them to do something. Something which is not fully understood by other people. Something they really don't want to do themselves. Something that they can't explain and something that requires other people to call them foolish. But thank God for people who risk in love and faith to follow that message. Those are the kind of people who are instruments of the Holy Spirit in the world today. Those are the kind of people that bring forth new life in new ways. Those are the type of people that make life exciting and thrilling. Those are the kind of people who are filling the kingdom of God here on this world today. That's the kind of people you and I are supposed to be. Those are the kind of people that brought the first Christmas and they'll bring the meaning of Christmas this year. And you know what we call those people. Angels. Angels.